Good Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com mailbag podcast with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. Brent Hubbs, glad to have you along with us. Plenty to get to, including your questions in this mailbag. But let's start first with the news of the night on Wednesday evening. And that was word from the SEC office that Cade Mays is indeed eligible. He'll be on the field for Tennessee on Saturday. Austin, you've been a part of this story and digging and working on this story since you and I were taping an interview in a parking lot uh, on campus uh, announcing that he was transferring to Tennessee. What, what's your overriding uh, kind of thought on the whole story and the whole saga that's been Cade Mays? Jeremy Pruitt played the long game. I mean, you know, it's not like he went and tampered with Cade. Uh, but, I mean, he, he played the long game by, you know, not going in the tank when, when Cade, you know, met with him at Catholic. Little bit, very few people know Jeremy Pruitt drove to the Mays household that evening because it still being the day that he had his quote in-home visit, he could still try to, uh, he could go still see him. Uh, he drove down there. They have a gate. He buzzed. No one answered. Still not deterred. Recruited Cooper the same exact way that he would have if it was anybody that he coveted. And, uh, little did he know that Cade Mays would actually want to come back home. And, uh, you know, the last few months, I think that all, you know, not only Cooper and Kate have gotten extremely close, but I think, you know, the coach Pruitt's gotten close to the whole family. Um, you know, and I think the fact that Kevin told me tonight, Hey, we knew when we left Georgia that Cade may not be able to play this fall. Cade knew that he knew going in. So like, I don't think that the fact that it took a while to get an NCAA ruling, then once he did get cleared, or or once he once he got turned down, then he had the the appeal. Then when he got cleared, he still had to wait on the SEC. I don't think that ever bothered Cade or the family because they knew all along this there was a possibility he wouldn't play. So I think they just you know kind of went to work, or Cade went to work and practiced, and you know and has been practicing right up through today. When he came off the practice field, he did not know that he was going to be able to play on Saturday, but by seven thirty, he knew. You know, it's interesting, Rob. Um, it, you've you've been around in Austin. I mean, we've all covered this program and the university for a long time. Um, it, it's it's been a while since someone on the academic side of things has fought for athletics the way the chancellor has. Um, very clear in talking to Jeremy Pruitt on vol calls, listening to him, uh, seeing um, him interact with with Chancellor Plowman via Zoom uh, at vol calls on Wednesday night. The respect that's there and the relationship that is there is something that has been talked about that's been missing at the University of Tennessee for for a while. Uh, Really, really fascinating to see that and how, quote, aligned the two sides of campus seem to be right now. Maybe for the first, as aligned right now as they've been since Joe Johnson was the was the president of the university? When, when did he ago. leave, Robert? How long has that been? Uh, too long. <laughs> I mean, a long, long time. It's been two decades, right? Uh, close to it, yeah. I don't. Think, I mean, I started in two thousand and two, and I'm pretty sure he was gone. And I think they had an interim at the time. But anyway, was it's that, never. Was it's that never been like, Yeah, uh, yeah, Peters. Uh, but no, I mean, you never have heard head coaches talk about the chancellor, the way that, that Jeremy does, the way that Rick Barnes does. And uh, it's, you know, I'm not saying she, she's not a shill for athletics or anything, but she gets the importance of athletics out of, out of school like Tennessee, what it can do to you. I mean, what do you think it's, it's done for Alabama over the past 15 years? I mean, that's, and, and 
it's, it can't be understated, I think, the impact that, that athletics have had on, on kind of what's happened at that college over the past decade. Yeah, and, and it's not window dressing that her involvement in, in kind of working the, 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 the league office in terms of trying to get the waiver and getting all that done. I mean, she was the first one at the University of Tennessee to find out that Cade Mays had won the waiver, had gotten the waiver. She, she, got, she got a call from the commissioner before anybody else on, on campus did. She was, she was the first one to know, so she was that involved. And, Austin, I think you, you got to give Jeremy Pruitt and, and, and the chancellor credit from the, from the approach that they took. Yeah, and they, they never roasted anybody. They never they roasted just, anybody. They, they just simply talked about what's real. And what's real was we're there in the middle of a pandemic. Eligibility don't count. Common sense says everyone not again it's not a k deal everyone should be allowed to play yeah and um she she certainly did a lot with the mental health side of things and talking about that and um you know working together as they're supposed to for common sense to prevail is what happened so k Mays is eligible does he immediately go to the starting lineup saturday i mean if he doesn't don't you think it's just window dressing yeah Yeah. i mean i It'd be in there the second or it's third almost, series. Don't you remember K- Trey didn't start last year? He didn't. That's right. He didn't. To, 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 you know, he came in the second series, um, and then he never came back out. Uh, I, think, yeah. I mean, more importantly, is where where is he going? Is, he, is you still think tackle AP? I think right tackle. Yes. I, I. That's where they've been working at him a lot lately. They feel like they really got two solid guys at guard, and uh, I think they're trying to sure up a weaker spot at right tackle. You know, and again, I, I think Darnell's still going to be really good. I just think he's got to continue to learn. And, and, and it's not a slam on a sophomore that he's not arrived yet, right? Now, and, and that, that that he might get bumped out of the starting lineup by a guy who's played three years in the SEC. You know, um, at, at a high at a, at a high level in the SEC in, in Cade May. It's not like it's not like Darnell's been recruited over for somebody else. You know what I mean? I mean, this is a this is a guy who, who's got a ton of experience. And, and well, Jeff said earlier this week that both his tackle positions were inconsistent against South Carolina. Those were the, that was the two positions on the offensive line that he was, quote, critical of when he reviewed the game take and, and tape and met with the media on Monday. Well, and, and let's face it, I don't think Jameer Johnson's going to be playing this week because he's got a, an ankle. And so, you know, Wanye will be at the left tackle. But, I mean, who's to say that Darnell – you know, doesn't have Wanye with the left side. Or, you, you know, I mean, I, I think they got multiple options. Point is, Cade's going to play. He's going to play a lot. Um, does he start? Yeah, probably. I mean, we're taping this on Wednesday night at near midnight. So, I'm going to say right now it's probably not been decided and probably won't be decided till either later tomorrow or, uh, or Friday. All right, let me ask this question before we get to the mailbag questions. How much better does he make this offense, uh, this offensive line? Makes him a lot nastier. I think he makes them a lot better. I mean, we're talking about I – mean, I, I think we could all agree that Darnell's a, a solid player with tons of potential, but he's not Cade Mays right now. I mean, he's not somebody that, you know, played in the national playoffs, played in an SEC championship game and, and held his own against, you know, the big boys. Yep. Yeah, he's starting a sugar bowl. <laughs> yeah. So – um, Cade Mays is eligible and Tennessee's better for it. I, I think we all agree with that. All right, let's jump to uh, the questions here in the Mailbag Podcast as uh, we jump into UT Sportsman 16 
Is Tyus Fields, the J.J. Peterson of the secondary recruiting question, more likely to sign with Tennessee, Terrence Lewis, or Marius Mims? Let's, uh, let's go with the recruiting question first, AP. Who are you taking there, Lewis or Mims? Man, that's, that's a good one, isn't it? That, that is a good one. I, you know, again, I, I think Terrence Lewis is going to have – you know, I still think he ends up signing with Tennessee. I may be naive to that. I, it's not like some 100% slam dunk. I just think that he's been committed for so long. He's been – the last couple of months, I think, really solid. And, again, Terrence Lewis is not the one quoted out there. Terrence's dad is. Well, not every family dynamic's the same. So it's not always, well, mom or dad wants me to go there, so I'm going to go there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I still think Terrence Lewis if I, is who I would probably take. But I think their chances with Mims are, 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 are solid. I mean, you know, again, not a locked-in deal. But I think that Tennessee has positioned themselves extremely well there uh, for where they're at with, between them and Georgia. And then the second question, you can't compare – the two J.J. Peterson was the highest ranked player in that class that Jeremy Pruitt signed and Tyus Fields is nowhere close to that so uh no I think that it would be if you're talking about uh you know in the in the bust word you know it's J.J. Peterson way before it would ever be Tyus Fields but Tyus has got to learn to be more consistent and be a lot smarter on and off the field and, and go ahead I would, I would toss in with Lewis that's one where the dead period's helping Tennessee I think I agree. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Dis, I don't disagree with that. Uh, although the dead period doesn't seem to be slowing down Amarius Mims, um, as, <laughs> as he's he's seen schools and is going to see Tennessee, right, AP? That's right. Going to see him this weekend, then be at Georgia next weekend, and coincidentally see the Vols again there. Uh, so uh, I, I, the best thing that could happen to Tennessee would be Miami lose a couple of games. Because right now they're hot, and oh look where we're at, and what we're doing, and you know, what do they play Notre Dame? I've not looked at their schedule. Do they play? I know they play. They play Clemson, right? So I mean, I, I don't know. I've not looked at Miami's schedule. I'll, I'll I'll pull that up on the on the Google machine here. You'll have to do a um, deep dive. But yeah. off, but off off topic, but but Miami made me think of it. What? In the, I mean, Florida State. Lord have mercy. How far have they fallen? I mean, well, like, I love the meme out there that ball fans have been sharing of the person passing the baton and, and one hand is Tennessee and the other hand that's getting it is Florida state. So <laughs> I hadn't know. seen that, but that's pretty classic. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, they, they got a mess on their hands at, at Florida state. Um, uh, that's for sure. So uh, they got financial issues. Um, so there's some commitment issues there. It's obviously not gone smoothly for, for Mike Norvell and they've got more losses coming to that team uh, throughout the rest of this season, for sure. Given what we've seen out of them, uh, the first couple of weeks of play. All right, volunteered 87. Between the four of us, um, what do you think Pruitt honestly wants the outcome of this inter-SEC transfer vote to be? If it were up to him, he'd obviously prefer to have Kate on the roster for the next two months, but you think that he would outweigh the, the pitfall top programs will run into with depth transferring to Ole Miss and Kentuckys of the world if this gets approved, and obviously we aren't a top program yet, but I'd have to imagine he's thinking as if we will be. And then also wanted to know if Tennessee's going to, if everybody goes back into their regular um, rotation with SEC Western Division opponents uh, as you get into next year and you get back to a normal slate. Second answer to that question is yes. Should just kick right back into where it was. Um, from what I understand, Austin, they just pick it right back up. And Yeah, so like A&M will come here again in a couple of years. Right. Like, you know, the, the, their game that was scheduled for, what, 2023 – Whatever 22, it was. 
2022, it's still going to take place. And right. so one would hope their fans will be here, um, you know, and be able to come to it, uh, you know, in 2022. But, yeah, Tennessee next year would go uh, to Ole Miss. Or, sorry, LSU. Ole Miss or LSU? Ole Miss. Yeah, it'll be Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Yeah, it'll be Ole Miss. Um, um, and, as, and, as for his first question, I'll jump in here first on that. Look, the reality is the one-time transfer rules coming from from the NCAA, okay? And um, so I think Jeremy Pruitt's legit when he says he thinks everyone should be able to be eligible if they transfer one time. He's a former transfer athlete himself, and so I think he be, I think he's saying that as a true statement, not as a, um, a, a you know he wasn't posturing to get Cade Mays eligible there. Do, do I think that? You know, teams are going to, you know, there'll be some charges of tampering and allegations and accusations and all that. Sure, I'm sure there will be there. But there is every year to begin with anyway. Here's what I don't know, Rob Lewis. If you allow this one-time transfer waiver to happen across the country, which I believe it will, what happens when so many kids transfer and they can't find homes and they don't find places to play? Does that Does the adverse to that at some point slow down some of the transfer stuff as the way I think the NBA, the one and done college rule is going to go away because I think it's adversely affecting, you know, in some ways the, the college game, because kids aren't going to be an, not going to be a student. They're just on campus for, you know, eight months, eight months and go to, and, and get out of there as quick as and they, they can. Have to go to school. They don't have to go to class till December. Right. So, you know, I think I will be interested to see, if there's this flood of transfer, not everybody's going to have the home they think they're going to have with a one-time transfer. Well, that's yeah. I mean, I think there's probably going to be some, some, you know, hard, hard truths told that, you know, that some guys have to learn. I mean, maybe they're leaving Georgia thinking they're going to Ole Miss and they end up having to go to Tulane or, you know, some, a lot of things along those lines. I, I, I think, I, I think you bring up a really good point with that. I bet, I bet you'll see that happen. Now, Austin, if you're a head coach, how many scholarships are you holding back for transfers out of your 25? Uh, yeah, I think it depends. I mean, like, you know, I think the biggest thing is is the way kid, they recruit kids will be different because all of a sudden, you know, getting them on the bounce back could be just as pivotal as anything. So, Which is, which is know, what happened with Cade. If they'd handled Cade differently – there may not – there's not a bounce back there, right? Yeah, correct. Or maybe know, they don't so, get Cooper either if they, you know, if they burn bridges. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, just the way they handle that whole thing speaks volumes about, you know, them playing the long game. And they do that with a lot of kids. It's not just a, a maze thing. It's They do that with a lot of kids. Um, you know, I'm, there's been a couple instances where, <laughs> where they probably have burned them, you know, um, would, would just and, and they not doing it like intentionally, but just you know, Coach Brut's a blunt guy. He's a truthful guy, and sometimes recruits don't. You know, I think it, it plays a lot of times, but sometimes it works against you um, um, here, with the truths that he tells. Here, here's what I think. I think that coaches in this league and call me a cynic. I think they'll have a pretty good idea of what who one or two potential transfers they'll have a shot at before the February signing day. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt, and I think so, they'll. I, mean, I don't think it'll be like I just got to hold two or three just in case. Oh no, I think they're going to be holding two or three for 
guys, for guys really that they know are going to be available. Yeah, legit possibilities. All right, Logan Bartlett wants to know, do any of you think that Georgia's foundation is a little more tenuous than it might seem based on recent success on the field in recruiting? Top players transferring, a lot of coaches leaving. Looks very look very mortal against one of the worst teams in the SEC. Maybe optimistic, but feels like to me this one might not be as rock solid as it looks. It looks looked mortal offensively without a quarterback. Um, and anytime you don't have a trigger man, this program is very much evidence of that. You know, you can be very pedestrian. Luckily, their offense. You know, luckily for them, their offense. You know, got you know bailed out by their defense, which balled out in the second half and uh, got turnovers that led to points and pick sixes. And, you know, it, I, I think Georgia's fine. I think that some schools, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, South Carolina, those schools that are recruiting against Georgia can use all that to their advantage, though. Hey, look, look how many people are leaving. Now, the question is, is why are they leaving, you know, when they're the starters, you know, um, those type of things. Um, against Georgia. So, I, I mean, is, is there a crack in the foundation? I don't think so. Are they, you know, are they beatable? Most definitely. I don't think they're a death star, as, as was prophesied two or three years ago. Yeah. I yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's – I mean, it's way too early to pronounce them dynasty, that for sure. Um, you know, they're a good program, and, and they're, they're on – I'm with Austin. They're on solid footing. But, you know, there's, there's certainly some things that teams will recruit against them. Um, particularly the transfer stuff that that's been going on with them. So I just think that's part of the recruiting process that everybody goes through. All right, Bassmaster Vall, after all the talk about Tillman in the preseason, are you surprised he wasn't a factor on Saturday? I'm surprised he didn't get a target um, or, or two. I didn't think he would have some huge game in, in this in the opener. I think part of the thing with Tillman, and Austin, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think his name surfaced as a guy who was having a really good camp in part because he was out there every day, whereas a lot of those freshmen missed two weeks in quarantine. So I think the fact that he was out there every day and got all the extra reps he was getting helped him have a good camp. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's some guys who are athletically better at the receiver position than probably Tillman is. Do I think Tillman's got a place at receiver and will be a factor to help us you know, throughout this season? Yeah, I, but I don't think anybody, uh, any of us on here, projected him to be a superstar, right? What would you what? equate him with? Well, how would you how would you compare him? Like, like, like a Bobby Graham type impact guy? Yeah, I think I think, I think that's a great comparison. I think that's a great comparison. I really do. I think that I think that's really I think that's a, a good way to kind of assess where he is. He could he wow. could be a three, you know, and and you know, be a guy who who works the middle of the field and, and those things. So, I, I think that's – The 1999 Memphis game. Luckily, luckily for Tillman, they do wear orange on orange, but there's no homecoming this year and there's no Memphis on the schedule. <laughs> that's exactly right. All right, C-Web, uh, C-Web 82. Cheney called less than 10 design run plays. Chris Weber? Uh, yeah, time out, Chris. Uh, Cheney called less than 10 design run plays in the first half versus South Carolina. Just shy of 20 design run plays in the second half. What are your thoughts on this? And do you expect this trend to continue? Go ahead, Brent. This is this is your hill. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to stand on this one. I, I, and Rob's with me on this one. I, I think 100. Oh, percent Totally. Um, I think everybody is. Yeah, I, I just think, I think Jim got pass happy midway through the first quarter. You know, I Jim think he had pass happy. No. I think he had. I think there was a couple of negative run plays or run plays that didn't produce yardage, and I think he decided, hey, we can get behind them, but we can get open. We'll just throw it every down. And then I think they came out of the locker room at the half, and um, after 
after looking at things and some discussions, I think it was very clear that he decided he wanted to run the football, and then he went run the football and dominated some people. They have to run it more uh, than they did in the first half against South Carolina if they're going to have a chance to beat teams better than them. If they're going to pull upsets, they've got to run the football more effectively. They've got to commit to running it more than they did in South Carolina. I was, I was stunned. I mean, when you think the strength of your offense is this veteran offensive line, and, you know, you've got two quality tailbacks, I, that first half really, really surprised me. And then were, were, they, were there seven design runs in the first half? Yes, seven called and runs. And there were seven back. on the opening drive of the second half when they went down the field and scored. Yeah. I thought Ty looked good. Yeah, I did too. I mean, I, I, thought Ty, I thought Ty Chandler looked a lot better. I thought he ran with a little more conviction. I thought he was more decisive. Looked like, um, you know, he had a little more wiggle to him um, as well. Um, I just think he's got to have more touches. I think Gray's got to be more involved in the passing game. I think they have to use the running backs, at, you know, as more because I think they're two of their better weapons on the team. Now, I will say this, you know, when you when you pitch it two foot forward, that's essentially a running play. And they did that a couple of times with, with Velas Jones on the, you know, the jet sweep or whatever you want to call that, um, which was effective. I think you can incorporate some of that stuff in there as well. I just think they have to um, – they just have to commit to running the football. And I think they will commit more to running the football um, as, as we move forward starting this week uh, against Missouri. You Vols, think Jeremy got a little – I was just saying, you think Jeremy got a little involved in the offensive talk at halftime in Columbia? I think there was a reason they came out and ran the football the way they did to open the second half, yes. I did too. I mean, I, I think I think there was a conversation that that took place there about, hey, you know, we need to be balanced and running it, you know, calling seven tailback runs in the first half is not is not nearly the balance that you need. So, yes, to answer that question. Um, he just he just didn't call plays like he did two years ago when Tyson Helton was the quarterback or the offensive coordinator. No, but apparently, but apparently he called some defensive plays, and they didn't work very well against South Carolina. So he said uh, Wednesday night on ball calls, he, when asked when asked about over the middle stuff, he said, "Well, there's probably four or five calls we ought to have back on defense, and those were my calls." Speaking of that, man, I, just, I mean, this nobody asked about it, but I just went through. I was really impressed with Jeremy. I thought he gave a great example of why the kids love him tonight. If you guys heard him when he was asked about the long snapper position and Will Albright. And, uh, I mean, just totally went to bat for the kids. And, you know, Will made one mistake. I made four or five, you know, on Saturday. And I just – I mean, I just thought it was a, a, a shining example of, of why kids kids love it. I mean, he well, made across and, and a shining example – and I want to do this because, Rob, we know you like to pile on. <laughs> a shining example of why this guy is nothing like the previous guy. Oh. All no he did was one thing. He's genuine. He's a, he's a real person. And, I mean, he may come across, you know, he's rough around the edges and he may come across as crusty with the media sometimes. But he's not that way with his kids. I mean, he coaches them hard. But, I mean, they know that he has their back, for, I mean, for sure. And I, I just thought it was just one small little nugget from oh. his press conference Wednesday night that, you know, kind of gives you a glimpse as to why. So, so Hubs and I were talking to him, you know, when, when he was in Columbia. And, uh, you know, I started busting his chops about busting my chops on the nation last week. Hubs, what was his response? I mean, I didn't even hear you. There's like a echo, and I, I wasn't really even sure what you said. <laughs> That's Jeremy for sure. Um, always entertaining. But I, Rob, I think you make a great point. You know, and and I do think that that's why 
you hear former players speak so highly of him uh, the, the way that they do wherever they played football for him at. All right, uh, let's continue on here. Uh, Vol 6868, how much does um, the how, – how much will the Tennessee-Georgia game be a deciding factor for Mims, and how much does that game matter for Green and TID, AP? I don't think any game particularly matters. It's just showing – uh, that you you know you're taking a step as a program. Now, yeah, it, it helps if you win, but just because you win doesn't mean they're going to get Amarius Mims or Nylon Green or TID or Small Monday. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it only helps you if you do win. I don't think it's a killer, you know, if you lose, but uh, you sure don't want to lose in a way that it hurts you. Like you want to be competitive in the game. So I think that, you know, ultimately, if Tennessee can go out and perform like they hope, then they're going to be competitive or possibly even pull off a road win. Yeah, I think you have to – I mean, I think that it doesn't help you. It's hard to help yourself in that situation, but you can hurt yourself if you're uncompetitive. All right, sticking with recruiting, Austin, which high school player in Memphis is needed most at Tennessee in the 22 class? May not be the best player, but who's the most – the player of, of greatest need out of Memphis in that class? Well, it's Walter Nolan. I mean, he's the best player and, and the one they need the most. I mean, he's the game changer. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, whether he ends up the number one player overall when it's all said and done is irrelevant. He's a top five, top ten player. When you have those in your state, you better land them, even though he's not technically from this state originally. Uh, you know, Tennessee's positioned well there with Walter uh, because of Marlon um, Walls, who's his head coach. You know, Clemson, LSU, they're also factors. Alabama, I'm sure, will be a factor at some point. Um, you know, but if you're talking about like who can have an impact on others, I think that's I think that's kind of where he was going there. You know, I would lean Dallin Hayden because Dallin is close with Cam Miller, a kid you you covet. He he talks all the time with Ty Simpson. He talks with Jordan James and Isaiah Horton because they're all on the same seven on seventeen. So thus, I would say Dallin Hayden if you're talking about just like who can have the most pull around him. But is who's the best player? It's definitely Walter Nolan. Professional shot, Professor Shotgun, excuse me, what happened to Balin Buchanan? What should we expect to see from Key Lawrence this year? Balin's got a um, – he's got spinal stenosis, which is a narrowing of the spinal column. He's not been medically cleared to play. I think you're going to see Key Lawrence on special teams and continue to grow into the secondary. He's a little bit surprised he did not get an opportunity on defense Saturday night, uh, but I think you'll see that moving forward with him. Florida, uh, FL Dobbs, VFL. Uh, How is this conference viewing the four out-of-division games when it comes to crowning divisional champs? Will all ten games count equally in weight of wins, losses in terms of winning your division? And does the SEC have a solution in the case of a tie? The commissioner said 10 days ago they do not have a uh, complete solution in the case of a tie, that they got things in place, but they have not ironed all of that out yet. And, yes, all games will count equally. Well, I mean, don't you, think it's, have. don't you think it's going to depend on where, where Alabama and Georgia are in, in relation to how the tiebreaker needs to work out? So they, they won't know until December. Until to, to get both of them in the game? Is that what, yeah. you're, is that what you're suggesting, Rob Lewis? What yes. about the Gators? The Gators factor in there as well, right? I, well, whoever, whoever wins between – you know, whoever's on top between Florida and Georgia in the East, but Bama is a constant. Uh, with this year's personnel, do you think, Austin, this defense is more suited to run a 4-3 instead of a 3-4? Yes. Does it, 
doesn't Tennessee run them basically a four three? I mean, how many yeah, times I mean, do you see them in a three man front? Yeah, I mean, like at one point the other night they had four guys with their hands on the ground. I mean, like it, they just it, it's kind of you know a, a play by play basis in my opinion because they throw different things at them with different packages with different personnel. They end up with four guys along the off along the defensive front yeah. more than they have three more than they have three guys on the defense. Somebody standing. Yeah, somebody may be standing up, but there's four guys there. They're in a four man front more than they're in a three man front. Prowler package. Who ends up who ends the season playing more snaps? Beasley, Peterson, or Morvin Joseph? I'm taking Morvin Joseph. Oh, I don't think it's close. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's close in there either. Uh, AP, did that feeling of a commitment in the next month that you mentioned in chat feel more like a 21 commitment or a 22 commitment? Jordan James just announced his final four. Any rumblings of potential visitors coming up on their own this weekend that can be discussed publicly? Yeah, Tennessee's trying to get guys in. I mean, we you know we know Dylan Brooks is trying to make it up. We know Marius Mims will be here. Um, you know, so yeah, Tennessee's trying to get as many guys. You know, you know, I, I think it's more of a player-led thing than it is Tennessee-led thing. But you know, obviously Tennessee would be knowing those kids are coming in town, um, much like Georgia knew that all those kids were coming in town when they came in town. So. Um, as far as that commitment, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a feeling. I, you know, it, again, you know, it could be gas hubs. It could be gas. More than a feeling. Hey, hey, uh, I mean, can the kid, the kids can hang out with players? I guess, right? Yes. There's no rule against that. They just can't nope. be around coaches. Be around coaches. And a noon game is not a bad time to hang out to come hang out with players, Rob Lewis. When you got uh, all evening long to hang out with guys, that that's not a bad thing to happen at all. All right, let's wrap this up here uh, with a couple of more questions. Rob, this one's for you. SEC Media Days 2021. You got one question from Mike Leach. What's your question? Oh my gosh, uh, that, I, I don't know what I would do there. I mean, if it was like you know, if it was one where you thought he was really going to be serious about it and, and go into one of his, you know, one of his spiels, I would have to think about it. I wish I would have read that question beforehand. And, and thought about it. It's got to be something. Uh, I would probably I – I mean, just off the top of my head, I would ask him about the transition from the Pacific Northwest to, Miss, to, to, to Starkville, Mississippi. I'd like to hear his thoughts on that, and I would hope he would be candid. All right. Uh, final final uh, couple of questions here in the chat. Austin was uh, the nugget on Cade in the practice video. Was that uh, some type of speculation from you yesterday? And then our buddy PTSD Vol – Wants to know where the Uncle Austin nickname started. Who gave it to you? Um, so go ahead. I, the board gave it to me. I didn't. I mean, it wasn't. I thought it was Beaner Hubs. I, I thought it originated. No, that was a board deal. The board thing. Yeah, that I was a board. To take thing. credit for that one so bad. Uh, I'm not yeah, taking any credit for that one. Like I did. You know, did as, orphans. as for the first question, uh, you know, use your imagination. Oh wow! Did you really? Did you just go there with that? Use your imagination as to whether that was a nugget or whether that was you're crystal balling it or what were you doing there? That's nice. That's nice. Crystal might, ball? Was it the Hubs 50 gift? You, 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 you just said that you might have a commitment or you might have gas. You're not sure. And let everybody else know, hey, it's just up to maybe I was saying something. Maybe I wasn't saying and, something. And speaking of, speaking of Austin tantalizing people like that, you just reminded me of it. How – how out of character was it for the Hubbard to tweet the, the Hubs 50 cent gift last week on the way to Columbia? That was classic Hubs. It, took, it caught me way off guard. If anybody thinks that I tweeted that out, 
they're, they've lost their mind. I said, was, Hubs, give me your phone. Yeah. It was, oh, really? I'm just, it, I'm just it, now it, learning it, about this. It was, it, it was like your, your child. It was like your child taking like 75 pictures of your phone or something. Or I was. I mean, I'm glad. I'm, I'm relieved to know that because I saw that last and Saturday. So, and, Hubs, and so, I said, watch, watch the play this gets on Twitter. And we're driving back to Asheville, and at like two thirty in the morning, where he's riding the uh, the, day the day after. after. And, and I don't know how to use decimal places in my math, but that's a whole different story. Go yeah. ahead, AP. And um, you moved the so decimal place two points to the he, right. He Go finally ahead. gets done, and he's looking at his phone, and he's seeing all the the DeAndre Johnson love that he's gotten throughout the game. And then he pulls back up the the tweet from earlier in the day, and he goes, "Man, this thing's got like four or five hundred likes." I'm surprised it wasn't four or five thousand. You know, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. At the end of the day, AP, you need or Hubbard, You need to be like Pruitt and let let AP manage your, your social media accounts. <laughs> you have half a million followers by Halloween. <laughs> there's no tell. There's no telling what uh, what he would do to my phone. Uh, it's a little bit scary. So I'll I'll lay low on the on the Twitter sphere. But I did not drop the fifty cent. But AP did, and it worked out fine. Particularly in light of the fact that. I mean, DeAndre Johnson did show up and have a pretty good game, AP. I told you, Hubs. You had, you had that, that, your, your, I can't run. Run. I, that one's over. I you can't ride that run out on that one two days ago. <laughs> I can't add a quarter. Or I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I vote against AP on that one. I think you can stick your chest out all season. Well, I don't know. AP's just mad he didn't pick him. You, no, I gave him credit. You can, you can stick your chest out until he has a game where it's like, ugh. I'm telling you, this, this, this one's not – this is not – this game this week is not the greatest setup for him. I, I, I don't I – No, don't I'm cheering that. for him to have another big game <laughs> so I can go, how did you have no faith in him? Then he could put back-to-back games together. <laughs> oh, the grief the grief that you give me. Hey, let me tell you about our good friends at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. If you're, you know, this time of year, you got to have the air condition on in the afternoon, unless you're in my house, then you just have the heat on all the time. Um, or, or you wear, you know, bundle up in your winter gear. You don't think I won't be in my winter gear on Saturday at Neyland Stadium. But anyway, for your heating and air needs, uh, you need to check out our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. You can find out more about them online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. You can give them a call at 865-299-2290. You can book an appointment online for whatever your needs are. If you just need to have your system evaluated, if you just need to um, have a tune-up, if you have a repair need, whatever it is, they can take care of it. They're going to send a technician out to check it out, not a salesperson. You're going to get, the, you're going to get what you need, um, exactly what you need. They're not going to over, over, you know, give you more than you need or, or try to get you to buy more than you need. Just whatever it needs, whatever you need to get your uh, heating system and air conditioning system working for you, they're going to take care of it. So give Jeremy and his staff a call at Blue Water Climate Controller. Again, check them out online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or on Twitter at blue uh, H2O underscore climate. That's going to do it for this mailbag edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.